On Christmas Day in 1929, the headline of the Daily Boston Globe reads, Offered divorce suit lasts 30 minutes. Here's what the story says. Hazel Hawthorne Offered, Provincetown poetess, often told her husband, Reverend Celian Offered, Harvard instructor, that she would live her life in her own way, according to testimony of the husband in probate court today. Cruelty was the ground on which Mr. Offered sought divorce, and in about 30 minutes, probate judge Colin C. Campbell decided that he had heard enough to satisfy him that Mrs. Offord was at least rather unconventional. I read through the numerous articles covering the marital differences between Hazel and Celian. Yes, you heard me. It's not just one article. It's more like 15. And it's not just the local paper, but major newspapers like the New York Times and the New York Herald Tribune. I almost can't believe what I'm reading. What seems to have happened is a strange incident involving Hazel, a pony with Mustang blood in its veins, and an attack in the dark part of the woods on Snail Road in Provincetown. Imagine this. Hazel rides to town from the old life-saving station to run some errands. She leaves the children in the care of another adult at the station. In the woods between the dunes and the town, someone attacks her horse, tries to grab the bridle, and stop her. She rides on, runs the errands, and is escorted back to the life-saving station by two Coast Guardsmen just to find out that the children are gone. It seems Hazel and Celian had serious differences of opinion as to how and where the children should live that fall. Barefoot and homeschooled in the dunes, or in a more traditional school and living setting somewhere else. The end result is this. Celian takes the children and files for divorce. Hazel does not show up for the hearing. Her brother Roger testifies against her. The judge considers Hazel to be rather unconventional, and the divorce is granted in 30 minutes. Phew, that's some drama, don't you think? Here's how the media described Hazel. Estranged mother. Rather unconventional. One of the most attractive of the local colony of writers. A Middleborough poet of some repute. The attractive author, dressed in soil-stained overalls and a brilliant yellow sweater. Here's how the media described Celian. Harvard instructor, teacher of public speaking, reverend, Unitarian minister, estranged husband. They also go on to list his university degrees work history, name of the college textbook he wrote on rhetorics, and to top it all off, his father's name and work career is also mentioned. Okay, 
Hmm. <laughs> this all sounds a little too crazy to me, especially when I realize that the media coverage of Hazel's and Celian's marital differences seemed to top the coverage Hazel got to her books in later years. Can you believe it? It's literally insane how, I don't know, in this regard, the world has not changed much in the 90 years between then and today. The headlines continue to be clickbaits, and we continue to read gossip. I can easily think of a few recent news articles where the woman in question is described through her physical appearance and the clothing she wears, just like Hazel was. I mean, how many physical descriptions of Celian did we get to read in the stories about the breakup? His clothes? His level of attractiveness? You got it. (laughs) Not a single one. Not one. All the more reason for me to focus on Hazel's writing career. I don't want her books, short stories and poetry to fall into oblivion. Even if she enjoyed all the attention she got from men, living life her own way, not fitting the role reserved for her as a minister's wife and acting in so-called undignified ways, such as attending parties and smoking in public, I don't want her to fall into oblivion. You might remember by now that Hazel published two novels, Salt House in 1934 and Three Women in 1938. Neither of the books are easy to find. They are available in some U.S. libraries, but none seem to exist on this side of the Atlantic. All in all, it takes me a full year to finally get my hands on both of Hazel's novels. Both of the books are so old, all yellow and partly tattered. I normally read books in bed before going to sleep, but these books, both from the 1930s, are so frail that I can't even hold them properly nor open the book fully. I'm afraid they will break. But Salt House comes with a dust jacket. What a treat! It's all torn and delicate, but it's there. It reads, There is a sensitivity inherent in Miss Hawthorne's writing that produces moments of sheer joy for the reader who is awake to the beauty in simplicity. The sweep of a gull's wing, the momentary flash of sun on water. Oh, imagine, (laughs) in a marketing department somewhere, a long time ago, someone wrote that. What is even more interesting is the drawing on the dust jacket. It shows three people, one woman and two men, maybe like the three main characters in the book, sitting or standing on sand, perhaps the dunes, and they're looking at a wooden building, which holds a striking resemblance to the old life-saving station at Peaked Hill. A wide blue sea is visible in the distance. Here's what I've learned of Hazel's two books so far. Salt House is set in imaginary Blackwell, but Hazel has later admitted it tells of the time she spent in the old life-saving station. It was well-received. Three Women is a Civil War novel, published only two years after the commercial success of Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind, which, by the way, Hazel did not like that much. Three Women was not so well received, 
and during the metal shortage of World War II, when metal was widely collected, Hazel gave away the printing plates of three women. I've been back in Finland for two months. I'm a little frustrated with my research. I feel a bit stuck. Like I'm at a dead end, somehow. I know for sure there are more sources and family members for me to find, but I just don't know how to find them, or where to find them from. I don't even know their names. I haven't yet returned to my corporate communications job, so I have plenty of time. The biggest daily, Helsingin Sanomat, wants to interview me about my gap year and the research project, so there's interest. Great. I'm motivated, but at a standstill, because I simply don't know what to do next. How do I move forward? It's so frustrating. On an impulse, I start scrolling through Instagram and write Hazel Hawthorne to the search field in the app. To my surprise, a handful of search hits appear. Most of them seem to refer to the Twilight series, I think. But one image makes me sit up straight. Someone has posted a photo of the title page of Hazel's book, Salt House. I tap it open and notice that the image is tagged with hashtags like family, history, roots, and Hazel Hawthorne. I can't believe my eyes. I open the profile and realize the person who posted it is a young Hawthorne. And then I realize there's an older Hawthorne commenting on the photo. I freeze completely. Instagram was the last place I even considered of using to find Hazel's relatives. It did not even cross my mind. I brew a cup of coffee, walk in and out of the kitchen nervously, and decide that I need a strategy. I did not know it an hour ago, but now I realize my project desperately needs an Instagram account. So I get to work. I post photos of my work, the books I read, some photos of myself, the stuff that I do related to the project. I start to follow people who live in Provincetown or in Cape Cod and share the most amazing photos, by the way. Some locals are so kind that once I get to know them a bit better, they even hike to the dunes to take photos to show me what it looks like in there. Some go for walks in the local graveyard to see if Hazel's grave could be somewhere to be found. Amazing! Weeks pass and I haven't yet liked the photo of Hazel's book that I saw. I want to build a genuine presence for the project first, so that they can see who I am, understand that my interest in Hazel's story is real. Because, let's face it, (laughs) it is a little hard to explain why I'm doing this. I mean, come on, (laughs) imagine someone contacting you and saying, Oh, hi, I'm this random person from Finland and I've been researching your relative for a good while now and it's all really because I saw their portrait in Berlin. But right after Christmas, I finally feel ready to make contact. I go to the Instagram photo of Hazel's book, take one more look at the title page and the people commenting the photo, close my eyes, and double tap. 
Sooner than I even realize, I'm connected with a number of Hawthorne family members. How awesome! <laughs> this is fantastic! One of them is Hazel's niece, Prudence Hawthorne. As I get to know Prudence better, I learn that Hazel perhaps published two books, but she, in fact, wrote at least one more book. A book that was never published. Here's Prudence to tell the story. The story that I love the best, that my mother told most often, and my dad too, was when she had uh, finished a book, and she was taking the finished book, Big Triumph, to the publisher. Though she was in New York City, that was one of the two or towns that she lived in. And in New York, she got on the subway with book in hand. It was in a briefcase. And it was typed. And she um, was headed for the publisher. But when she got off the subway, she suddenly realized that it wasn't in her hand. So she looked back quickly and jumped to get back into the subway car and grabbed her briefcase. But the subway car was already moving. The doors were shut and it was moving. And she looked and there was the briefcase. She could see it plainly on the seat where she had been sitting. The tragedy of it was, and as I said to my mother, but wasn't there a copy? Didn't she keep a carbon copy? And my mother said, oh, yes, she had a carbon copy, but it also was in the briefcase. Devastating. So I said, it must have been horribly upsetting to her. And my mother said, well, she had a nervous breakdown. But perhaps the tragedy of losing that book after so much work and effort. And she even mentions in one of the books the pain of writing, the struggle. She had worked at least three years on that book. And when I look at the two books that she really published... I've always wondered why she didn't publish more books, because they are delightful. They should be republished. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, I'll start preparing to cross the Atlantic myself. This podcast is produced by Inkaleisma and Essi Isomäki, hosted by Inkaleisma, introducing Prudence Hawthorne, quoting the Daily Boston Globe from December 25th in 1929, listing brief descriptions of Hazel and Celian from various other media. Cape Cod Audio by Christopher Suford from his album Cape Cod Soundscape Volume 1, available in iTunes. Background music and audio clips from Freesound users Lena Orsa and Dubroid. Theme song by Studio Le Bus.